I want you to know, even as children of God, that you and I are invited. Invited to be a part of his family. I want you to think about that for a moment because it is not just a happenstance. It's not just a circumstance that something sort of happened along. But Almighty God, the Father of us all, has said, I invite you to come into my family. And this invitation has come through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we're here to talk about that, to think about that, and to realize what that means to you and me. And we're going to talk about Jesus saying something probably about 15 or 20 times in the New Testament. And what he said was, follow me. Now I want you to think about those two words for just a minute. Jesus Christ looks at you and me and he says, follow me. Now that's an invitation, but that's also a calling. And it is something that as Christian people that we are commanded, we are led, we are convicted to surrender to that calling. And so that's part of what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to use these scriptures that are going to be on the screen in front of us. And we're going to go to Matthew 4 right now, 18 through 22. And I want you to just look and listen. I want to read it and comment on it because you know you know this scene. However, I want us to be sure and absorb and take in and look very carefully at what Jesus Christ is doing when he says to these four men in this passage of Scripture to follow me. Because he says, now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on, we see that from there he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, Let's think about these four men for a minute. Because we need to relate to them in various and sundry ways. Because these four men were fishermen. Now, why would Jesus want fishermen to follow him? Well, one of the things that occurs to me is that Jesus did a lot about calling ordinary people. Now, I'm an ordinary man. <laughs> you are ordinary men and women. And Jesus takes us ordinary people and certainly does extraordinary things with us. Not because of us, but because of his presence and his power and the fact that you and I would be willing, and that's a real key word, to follow him. 
And Peter and Andrew and James and John were willing. Now, these fishermen were hardworking men. They had a business. They had an, an industry, if you would, that was vital to the, to the times of that time, to their families, to them in making a living. And now they're about their industry. They're about their business. It says that they were casting a net or they were mending or preparing their nets. They were being fishermen the way fishermen were. And fishermen worked really hard. And there's another reason that Jesus called them. Because they were hardworking men. And they were used to working long hours. They were used to working summertime and wintertime. They were used to working through the night. To do what? To catch fish. And these men were dedicated and I would even say passionate, if you will, about catching fish. And Jesus knew that about their personhood. Now, I want you to realize that these men had a very prosperous business. Now, sometimes you think about fishermen, well, they were just kind of sort of on the side of the lake and they weren't much, but they were just fishing. No, if you pay attention to this, they were prosperous. They had nets, and they had a family business. Uh, James and John were in a boat with whom? Zebedee, their father. He was part of the family business. Now, we're not going to look at this scripture, but over in Mark, in Mark's account of this whole beautiful scene, Mark says that when James and John left and followed Jesus, that they left Zebedee, their father, and all the hired men. Now, that's in the, the passage in Mark. Now, what does that indicate to you? They had a crew. <laughs> they weren't just little fishermen out for the day. This was their business. This was their lifestyle. And what does it say? That they left at once, Andrew and Peter, and with James and John, they left immediately. Now, I want you to think about that for a little bit. Maybe they had encountered Jesus before. Maybe they had heard about him. But regardless, Jesus is walking by the side of the lake, and he says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will empower you to go and be a part of my kingdom and present the gospel and make you fishers of men and women, people. We're going to change from catching fish to catching people in a godly, loving, forgiving way. And all four of these men apparently immediately, now that's an amazing statement, they immediately decided to leave, leave everything, leave their business, leave their father, leave the money that they made, leave, 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 and what? Follow Jesus. So I'm declaring to you that we have an example here in front of us that these men were willing, and my question to you and me is are we willing?
And I want you to think about that. And I'm going to think about that. Because we're sitting here as Christian men and women. And we're sitting here celebrating the fact that we're following Jesus. And we have got to decide if we're willing. Now, I'm going to tell you a personal story. I do this from time to time. Please let me assure you that I don't tell these stories because of the spotlight being on me. No. I want the spotlight on God because I call these stories God stories. And rightly so because they are God's movement in me and God moves in you. I hope you have a bunch of God stories about your life and about your journey as a Christian man or woman or your family. But in 1977, after four years of study at Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, I received a doctorate in counseling. Now, I've learned a lot since then, folks. But that doctorate said that I was supposedly qualified in my counseling. Now, at that time, through those years, I'd been there for four years working on this degree, I had met lots of folks, and people had asked me to do various things. And when I graduated in 1977, I taught at a local college. I was on the psychology staff at a very exclusive psychiatric hospital, and I was in private practice with two of the most well-known psychologists in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. That was my life in the middle of 1977 when I became Dr. Solomon. Now, I had the world by the tail, as they say. I had all sorts of prestige. I could have made all sorts of money. But God was moving me another direction. And I was willing. And I don't say that about me. I say that about his spirit and his power in me and his conviction of me. All three of these things were very, very powerful, very prestige, very emotionally satisfying, all of those kinds of things. But they had nothing to do with being fishers of men. College, secular, psychiatric hospital run by four psychiatrists that were a little crazy, uh, and in private practice in a big, well-known partnership with two other psychologists. And then God said, go back to Virginia Beach. Now, I've told you a little bit about my journey with Virginia Beach. I'm now here for the fourth time. I'd been here before at Thaylen Baptist Church. I'd left to go back to school, and God was saying all along here, Don, you go back to Virginia Beach. And I'm saying, are you sure, God? Are you sure? Do you understand what I have here? And he was absolutely sure. And I became sure. Because just a couple of weeks before I graduated, Mick and I were in Virginia Beach. I was doing a wedding at Thaylen Baptist Church. 
I didn't know what I was going to do when I got here. I knew that I was a trained counselor. I knew I wanted to do counseling and Christian ministry. I knew that's what God had called me to do. He didn't call me to be a, a college professor or a part of a psychiatric hospital. No, he called me to, to minister and to be fishers of men and to care for Christian people and to reach out with the love of God. And the week before I graduated, we were here in Virginia Beach, and we took one day because we thought, well, if we're going to go to Virginia Beach, maybe we need to get a job. <laughs> I didn't have a job. Nobody was asking me to have a job. One day, Mickey and I left where we were staying about 9 o'clock in the morning, and we came back at 4 o'clock that afternoon. And she had one, and I had three. One day. You think God wasn't in that? I had three jobs. One was at Tarrant County, uh, excuse me, Tidewater Community College. Slipped. I taught at Tarrant County Community College in Fort Worth, Texas. But Tidewater Community College. Some of you might remember a man by the name of Michael LaBouve. You know that name? Okay, he, I believe at the time, was the provost or something at Tidewater College. He told me that I could come there and teach full-time. I, unfortunately, I turned that down because three, I had two offers from counseling centers, Tidewater Pastoral Counseling and, and Peninsula Pastoral Counseling, and I took those two jobs. Mickey had a job with Family Services working with an agency with the Navy. So God moved us, and then we came back here. And by the way, postscript on this story, which is just absolutely wonderful, because I'm so glad I came back here because I've been here ever since, a little bit off and on, but I've been here ever since. I went back to Fort Worth, Texas, and I told all those people I worked with, you know, at the college, at the hospital, and my partnership in the counseling center. And they said, Don, you are crazy. And on a worldly basis, I was absolutely crazy. But I said, no, I'm not. Because I know what God is saying. Now, on a worldly basis, that cost me. On a godly basis, it empowered me and rewarded me. And that's what happens if we follow Jesus when he says, Come, I'm going to make you fishers to men. But it does cost you. If you're willing, you're going to have to give up something to get the wonderful rewards of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the next passage of Scripture. This is Matthew 16, and you know this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, please pay attention. Because in 1977, there was a part of me that wanted to control my own life and stay in that powerful picture that I painted for you just a moment ago. 
And there's a part of you that wants to control your own life. And if you're honest with yourself, you will say that. Because remember, all of us are selfish. And we want to be God over our own life. And that is sinful, particularly when we come to commit ourselves to Jesus Christ. And he says, whoever loses their life for me will find it. So yes, to follow Jesus, it does cost you something. You have to deny yourself. You have to lay yourself aside and commit and obey and follow Jesus Christ in whatever his will is for you and me. So yes, it does cost you something. And you will have to be willing. And you will have to sacrifice and surrender and submit. You remember those three words that I've said a hundred times to you? Yes, it will cost you something. But what is Jesus saying here? You do get something back. In fact, you get your life he says, if you run your own life, you're going to lose it. Now, please remember, this is not Pastor Don talking. This is Jesus Christ talking. So if right now you're sitting here saying, well, I got this plan and this plan and this plan and this plan, and, and I'm going to run my life according to my plan, Jesus is saying, well, if you're going to run your life, you are going to lose it. I'm sorry, but that's what he says. So I'm not sorry, because that's what he says. And then he says, if you lose your life for him, if you obey, if you surrender, if you give your life to him, then you're going to find it. Now, right now, you may not know what that means. I didn't know what that meant in 1977. Now, when we came here and found those jobs that I was talking about, I was at least encouraged I saw hopefulness, but I still didn't know what it meant. Now, that was in 1977. Somebody do the math. That was a long time ago, folks. I was just a young kid then. I'm an old kid now. But the fact is, is that I have been blessed, we have been blessed over these last 40 or 50 years. And I'm so thankful that I was willing, not because of me, but because of the power of Jesus Christ in me as he is in you. And so the fact is, we will have to pay a price to follow him. But then we do get blessings or maybe we could even call it rewards. And he says more about that. So we're going to go to the book of John right now. And we're going to look at chapter 10. And I want you to realize that this is Jesus talking to you and me because he says, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Now I'm going to stop right there. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. When you and I follow Jesus, as he's asking us to right here, we become his sheep and he knows us. Do you remember the last two Sundays we've talked about the fact that terrible passage of Scripture there in the seventh chapter of Matthew where he says, some people say, Lord, 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 and he says, but I never knew you. That tragic, would you, would you just think about that? If you and I were standing before Jesus Christ and he looks at me or looks at you and he says, I'm sorry, I never knew you. 
ah. But here he's saying, when we follow him, my sheep hear my voice. My people hear my voice. And I know them. Do you see the difference? And they follow me. They're a part of my family. And not only are they a part of my family and they're, they're my people, but I give them eternal life, another reward certainly, and they will never perish, another reward certainly, and no one would snatch them out of my hand. Do you realize that that is a statement of security? Security in your Christian life, security in your emotional life, security in your family life, and I promise you, every one of us in this room needs security. And the basic origin of security is in relationship with Jesus Christ. And here he's saying they will never perish. And no one, nothing can or will snatch them out of my hand. And my father who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. <clears throat> so he's saying, Jesus will do it. Father God will do it. They will secure us in his family and in being a part of his people. And then in verse 30 here, he makes a wonderful statement. And if you ever want to talk to somebody about the divinity of Jesus Christ. If you go to John 10th chapter, verse 30. What does he say? I and the Father are one. Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I and the Father are one. And in that is a divine statement for you and me to be secure. So that's part of the reward. That's part of the blessing when we're willing to father him. But we're going to go on to another passage. It's in the 12th chapter of John. And it talks about serving. And so when we follow Jesus, we are committing ourselves to be servants of the Master and Lord, as we have talked about. And in this passage of Scripture, he says, Whoever serves me must follow me. Now, just stop there for a second, because I'm going to tell you there's no way that I can do what I do. There's no way that you can do what you're going to do. There's no way that you're going to be able to serve without following him, because if you're not following him, you have no power, because you're, work, you're working and operating in your own power, and I don't have any personal power other than what the Lord gives me. So whoever serves me must follow me, and here's the reward. Where I am, my servant also will be. <laughs> now just please don't miss that. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? That when we follow him, when we're his people, when we serve him, and we live in him by him, then we're going to be wherever he is. Is that what you want? Now, please think. For now and for eternity, is that what you want? Do you want to be where he is? Yes. 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 
<laughs> Amen. And that's what he's saying. When we follow him, then where I am, my servant, my people will also be there. And my father, here's the, the final reward, which is, is just wonderful. My father will honor the one who serves me. Almighty God will look on you as a man or woman as valuable. And I know something about you. You want to feel valuable. I want to feel valuable. And there, here is the answer for life and for eternity. We are valuable because we are with Jesus Christ. He is with us. He knows us. We know him. And we serve him. Do we? Do we serve him or do you serve yourself? Hmm. Now, maybe I ought not to ask that question. But yes, I'm asking that question of myself and of you. Do we serve him? Do we follow him? He has invited us, and Scripture tells us that we're supposed to follow the calling, the calling and the invitation of Jesus Christ. And I will tell you as I move toward conclusion here of this message that all of this reminds me of one of my very, very favorite passages of Scripture. It's in First Peter, the second chapter, the ninth verse. It says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own people. So that you can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's 1 Peter 2, 9. I'm going to say it again because I want you to hear every word of God's word. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own people. So that, please catch that, we are all of those wonderful things, chosen, royal, holy, God's people, following Jesus, so that We can declare the praises, the wonderment, the amazement, the total story, so that we can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, this is what I leave you with. If you're willing, I want to change that word. Since you're willing, please, for me, please, Don, since I'm willing to follow Jesus, then we've got to go and share this marvelous light with other people. Now, I've talked to you a good bit here lately about evangelism 
reaching out with the truth of Jesus Christ. And we have declared, I have declared in me and in you, that that is down the list of priorities somewhere. And it needs to be at the top of the list of priorities. And so please listen. Following Jesus, what does Jesus want you and I to do? He wants us to tell other people about him. To show other people about him. To declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Please. That is what the people of Jesus Christ are to be about. That's what the people of King's Grant Baptist Church are to be about. And I am saying it with great anticipation and great prayers for all of us that that's what we will be about. Let's pray, please.